I, I look back, and about the turn of the century, I believe that politics in Canada, partisan politics, became extremely toxic. And it kind of, I want to say, festered from then. Um, and it washed over from the House of Commons into the Senate. I know. I was part of it. Mea culpa. <laughs> when I applied to become a senator, I did not apply with any faith that it would actually happen. I applied because I wanted to test the system. I did not believe that the process was going to be fair and equitable. You're listening to a special episode of On the Record Offscript. On this episode, we're sharing talks from two members of the Canadian Senate whose voices you just heard. Special episodes of the Offscript podcast are a break from the standard format of our podcasts where we've interviewed former MLAs and share what we've learned. And on special episodes, we share everything from extended interviews to live talks given at springtide events to talks given at events that are not springtide events, but where the organizers have shared the tape from those events with us for broader distribution. While we don't stick to the tape from the interviews with former MLAs for the special episodes of the podcast, we do try to stick to the spirit of the podcast, content that is educational, thought-provoking, with speakers who don't sound like they're reading words somebody else wrote. The talks we'll share today are an excerpt from a larger event called Independent or Partisan, The Future of the Canadian Senate, held by the McKechnie Institute for Public Policy and Governance at Dalhousie, as part of their Policy Matters speaker series. As with last week's episode, you can find a link to the full discussion on the McKechnie Institute's YouTube page, and there's a link to that in the show notes, or you can just visit springtide.ngo se30, since this is special episode 30. Thank you to the McKechnie Institute for sharing the audio from this event with us, and you can find out more about other events in their speaker series by following the links in the show notes as well. This week we're sharing a special episode instead of a standard episode because I had to do some last-minute traveling that took me away from my usual routine, but we are committed to sharing new content with you each and every Wednesday. So, in this week's episode, you'll hear three speakers. Two of them are senators. You'll hear Senators Grant Mitchell from Alberta and Wanda Thomas-Bernard from Nova Scotia. They both get a full introduction from the first voice you'll hear, who is Laurie Turnbull. Laurie Turnbull is an associate professor of political science at Dalhousie University, and she moderated the event. So, our common purpose here today is to take a critical look at the Senate of Canada um, in both its, well, in its past, present, and prospective forms in order to understand more fully the role of the Senate in Canada, what it does, what we think it does, what we think it should do, and what it might look like in the future. We should look at the implications, um, both intended and unintended, of the reforms that have been brought so far and the ones that are on the table. The new approach to appointments is just one example of how the Senate has changed in recent years, and already we can see some implications of this change. So, for instance, we can all apply to be senators now. The thing about changing any aspect of an institution is that the other parts have to recalibrate in order to adjust to the new realities, and this can take some time. With independent appointments, it seems to me that we now have less predictability in the Senate when it comes to the timing of legislation, the range of prospective amendments, how a bill is treated by committees, what the relationships are between senators, essentially how a bill is handled. This isn't bad. They aren't bad things. But the rest of the system needs to adjust to new changes that are being brought to the Senate, including, for instance, the public, the public service. So I think it's safe to say now that the policy process is, is different 
now with the senators taking an, taking a different sort of view and how they're they're organizing themselves differently, the policy process is different. It doesn't stop when it used to. So from the perspective of the public service, when we're drafting legislation, when we're advising ministers, when we're, we're memorandum to cabinet, when we're going through that process, the Senate is now an unknown variable in many ways, in the sense that you really don't know. Um, Timing-wise, you can't really, you, you can't make any assumptions. You don't know how the thing is going to go through committee. You're not sure what the independents are going to do, whether the, and, you know, what, how people are going to treat it, whether there's going to be unison among senators on committee or whether it's going to go in different, different places. Will any amendment that comes from the Senate change the, the intent of the bill? And what kind of tension does that create for the government when it's moving through its legislation, it's trying to move through its agenda, it's campaigning on a clear agenda, but saying the whole time, I'm not sure how this is going to work through the Senate. And so we all kind of have to adjust, and it's very exciting. And, you know, the Senate is a, is a hot spot in a place, not that it ever wasn't, but in a different kind of way now. And so I'm really looking forward to the comments of, of our four panelists this morning and from you as well, so that we can all build a clearer picture. So enough from me. I will introduce each panelist separately and invite each to give 10 or 11 minutes of comment. I will be rude in cutting you off so that we make sure that everybody gets their time and then the audience has an opportunity to answer question, or to ask you questions. So we're going to start with Senator Mitchell. Senator Grant Mitchell from Alberta was appointed to the Senate in 2005. He has had careers in the public service, business and politics in Alberta and was called, in, and called to the Senate in 2005. In May tw 2016, he was appointed government liaison in the Senate where as one of three members of the government represent, representative team, he helps guide government legislation through the upper chamber. He's going to speak to us this morning, or this afternoon, sorry, about current reforms underway in the Senate. So several years ago, somebody made a striking observation to me, and that was that the parliamentary system of government is the most successful system of government on the face of the earth. It has lasted hundreds of years, longer than any other form of government existing today. And it's lasted, in my estimation, and probably, in fact, because it works. And it works for many reasons, but one of those reasons, perhaps not the most important, but one of those reasons, significant nonetheless, is the Senate. Canada, in fact, wouldn't exist but for the creation of the Senate, which was established to alleviate the fears of minorities and of smaller provinces like Nova Scotia. Thank you very much for pushing this issue to alleviate their fears that they would be overwhelmed in a larger Canada. It has been populated by remarkable people, Alan J. McKechnie, of course, and by three colleagues that you see here. And people like these and like Senator McKechnie have influenced the public policy debate in the Senate for this country, across this country, powerfully and positively. It's changed the course of this nation for the better over the last 150 years. And so at this point, I often say to people, no matter what you've heard about the Senate, no matter what you think you know about the Senate, if the Prime Minister ever calls, say yes. <laughs> this, of course, is running through your mind, I'm sure. So, Grant, if it's so great, why all this intensity to reform it? And, of course, the easy answer is the infamous expense scandal. I'm not going to diminish that, but I don't believe that that actually explains the whole issue whatsoever. I'll give you an anecdote. In the midst of all of this toing and froing that was going on, I go to a reception in Alberta, and this aggressive person comes up to me and rudely says, 
You're a senator. You're like all those other senators. All those senators are the same, just like those bad senators and their bad behavior that we're reading about in the press. I said, wow, thanks for the input. Uh, could, could, could I ask you a few questions? So what do you do? Well, I'm a doctor. Oh, I see. So are there any bad doctors? Yeah. So are you one of them? No. It's like that in the Senate. <laughs> I don't believe that reasonable Canadians will define this remarkable, wonderful institution on the basis of the behavior, the bad behavior of a handful of its members. And even if it were, even if it were the case that this was all about an expensive scandal, presumably you could fix it simply by changing rules, which the Senate has done and done extremely well. But would any of you, would anybody actually believe that that's enough? I don't think so. I think the problem that confronted the Senate or the Senate was confronting was much broader and much more profound. And it was all but and maybe and hopefully not an existential crisis of credibility. And it came from an accumulation. I, I look back, and about the turn of the century, I believe that politics in Canada, partisan politics, became extremely toxic. And it kind of, I want to say, festered from then. Um, and it washed over from the House of Commons into the Senate. I know. I was part of it. Mea culpa. <laughs> but I began to hear, sort of in lockstep with that development, more and more concern from my specific constituents, uh, uh, Albertans, Canadians more generally. They hated politics. They hated political parties. And they sure weren't very impressed by the Senate. I get partisan politics. I was elected four times as a liberal in Alberta. Believe me, I get partisan politics. But the thing about an elected body versus an unelected body is that with an elected body, if you don't like partisanship, you can change the partisans. You can't do that with, a, with an appointed Senate. So about this time, in the midst of all of this, Mr. Trudeau made a, a profound, I think, decision to remove us senators, it hurt, from uh, his national caucus. We sat with the elected representatives. And um, uh, at the time, if you'd asked me, five minutes before I would have said that's a bad idea, the moment it happened, I felt relief, and it's been a revelation. I don't think that my values or my positions or what I've done in politics has been compromised by virtue of the fact that I've sat in a number of, of uh, political caucuses, liberal caucuses over the years. But what began to dawn on me as I saw in retrospect where I'd been in the Senate was that my psychology was this. Every time I was about to do something or say something, I was calculating what the impact of that action or that statement would be on the on the electoral fortunes of the other side. So if I said carbon tax, and believe me, I believe in a carbon tax, even though I'm from Alberta, I would have to consider that Mr. Trudeau would likely be subjected to one of two criticisms. He'd either be criticized for being a weak leader of a now clearly divided caucus, which he couldn't control, or he'd be criticized for supporting a carbon tax, or, as these things go, he'd be, of course, criticized for both. But even again, if this were not the case, if I weren't compromised, if my thinking was pure and I was absolutely independent, it dawned on me very powerfully that I simply couldn't convince anybody any longer that sitting in a national liberal caucus with very powerful, very smart, very good uh, persuasive people, many of whom were very good friends of mine, I couldn't sustain the argument that somehow um, I was able to retain a, a nonpartisan objectivity and independence. Then the Supreme Court ruled, and it reinforced this whole idea that 
the Senate has to be complementary. It has to be different than the House of Commons. And, and if you, the one thing you can do in, to make the Senate different from the House of Commons, which is elementally partisan, is change the partisanship in the, House, in, the, in the Senate. And as luck would have it, while you can't do other sweeping changes like abolishing the Senate or electing the Senate very easily, if at all, because of constitutional constraints, you actually can change the partisanship in the Senate. I'm just going to step back one moment, and I'm going to say that this is not to say that any of my colleagues who have decided to remain in uh, partisan, label themselves as liberals or conservatives, and organize themselves as liberal or conservatives, don't have a right to do that. They absolutely have a right to do that, and nobody has a right to tell them not to do that. But I do think that if we're to be responsive to the public, and certainly to my constituents in Saskatchewan, there is an implicit question that needs to be answered. If senators are going to label themselves with a particular partisan party label, how is it that they can also retain or acquire uh, independence from the other side? And there are two things that can be done to do that. One is you leave the National Caucus that you sit in along, excuse me, Thomas, that you sit in along with uh, elected members of Parliament, and you ensure that your Senate Caucus isn't whipped. And I want to say very clearly that the Liberal Senate Caucus, under uh, Jim Cowan, his leadership, great leadership, and since, has conformed to both of those um, things. They are, in fact, I think, independent. Uh, so what else has been done to change the Senate? First of all, because the Prime Minister doesn't have an affiliated caucus in the Senate to manage his uh, legislation, he's appointed three representatives rather than appointing the leadership of a caucus he doesn't have. So we have a representative, government representative, we have a deputy representative, we have me, who would formerly have been called the whip, but I have nobody to whip and I have nothing with which to whip them, except, I want to say, my obvious charm. And as I was talking to my wife about this, she, she said, you know, Grant, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I see a comparison between you and the, the Black Knight in the Monty Python Holy Grail movie, you know? There are days when you're in this position where you're literally hacked to pieces, but you seem to, be, to remain remarkably perky. It is challenging. Secondly, there, are, there is a more objective um, appointments process. And I'm not saying you get better senators. You had great senators, and you're getting great senators. But what I am saying is senators like Senator Thomas Bernard are not burdened by a process that looked to the public to be inside and secretive and was driven by partisan loyalty. And thirdly, only senators who uh, are determined to be independent have been appointed, and none, by definition, have joined a partisan caucus. And finally, rules changes have begun, and some of those rule changes have been established to, to help create the equality of all senators, independent senators. We still have more work to do. I'm going to summarize by saying that I'm not prepared to say that the Senate is doing better work now because it has always done extremely good work. It is a great institution. But what I am prepared to say is that the changes to this point have resulted in a significant improvement in the Senate's credibility. You're not reading about scandal. You're not reading about disappointment. You are reading about excellent work by senators on your behalf. There's still a way to go, and in particular, I think we have to make sure that this is irreversible. And uh, there's a couple of things that could occur to help that. One would be, and again, uh, my apologies to Thomas, who's an excellent senator doing great work, but I believe that you've got to get senators out of elected caucuses. Once that occurs, that departure is far, far too difficult. It's insurmountable to go back. And secondly, all parl parl parliamentarians, and I think they're beginning to see this, uh, need to feel the pressure, the public pressure that 
that the public is really starting to like this newly configured Senate. Um, the key is that if the Senate is to be effective, it has to be credible. Uh, I think we've gone a long way to getting there again. Uh, we have a way to go, but it's a wonderful, remarkable, exciting journey. Thanks very much. Senator Wanda Thomas-Bernard was appointed to the Senate in 2016. She is a social worker, educator, researcher, community activist, and advocate of social change. Also in 2016, she was appointed Special Advisor on Diversity and Inclusion, Inclusiveness here at Dalhousie and is the first African Nova Scotian to hold a tenure-track position. Senator Bernard is a member of the Sta Senate Standing Committee on Agriculture and Forestry and the Senate Standing Committee on Human Rights. She was also the Vice Chair of the Canada-Africa Parliamentary Association. She will talk to us today about the new appointments process. Thank you, Dr. Turnbull. In a sense, this feels like coming home. As a recently retired faculty member, of course, Dalhousie has been my second home for more years than I care to uh, remember. I want to start by acknowledging that we are here on Mi'kmaq territory, and I'm grateful um, to be able to share the space. I'm grateful to be able to share the space with my honorable colleagues, share the space with my honorable colleagues, and also honoring the memory of the late uh, Senator McCacken. I said to Dr. Quigley just before we started that I love what you're doing. So as a professor, I, I, let me tell you, students, you have here a rare opportunity to be engaged in a class that's meeting with real people around real issues. So that's incredibly exciting, and that's the main reason why I said yes to this, because I, I like this, and as an educator, certainly try to, to, to teach in that way. So I'm to talk about the new uh, process. I'm one of the 21 people that was appointed to the Senate about a year ago through this new appointments process. So let me start by saying that if this new process would, was not established, I would not likely be here. I would not likely be here. So I have not been uh, involved in partisan politics, although there have been many invitations to do so by all parties. <laughs> uh, but I've always resisted that partisan partisanship. When I applied to become a senator, I did not apply with any faith that it would actually happen. I applied because I wanted to test the system. I did not believe that the process was going to be fair and equitable as was proposed, as was promised. I applied because as a woman of African descent, as an African Nova Scotian woman who has spent her entire career working on issues of, of uh, equity and inclusion because of the lack of equity, because of history of exclusion, because of a history of racism, because of a history of people of African descent really not being included 
in everyday practices that most people, most Nova Scotians, most Canadians actually take for granted. So, so after working on those issues for so many years, and when I saw the, the, the announcement, I thought, well, I should, I should apply. I believe that the work that I've done may count for something. I believe that the work that I've done over the years may get some attention. But I have to be frankly honest with you and when I say that when I received the call, I was absolutely surprised because I did not expect that I would be selected. I really did not. And I think that comes from this whole history, this history of, of racism, history of sexism, the history of the intersection of those realities. The whole history of all of that had, had, had uh, put me in a place where I didn't believe that the work that I'd done would be viewed in, in that way. But it was. And when I got the call, I said yes. And the call came, the call came on the 11th, the, 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 the day of the 11th anniversary of the date that we buried our mother. And I believe there was something in, the, there was something in that message, that that was coming at a time when my mother had dreams and hopes and aspirations that she wasn't able to attain because of racism and sexism and how they impacted her life. And for her daughter to be appointed to the Senate, I know that she would be beyond proud. To say that she would be proud would be an understatement. As a social worker and as a social work professor, I've been concerned for many, many years about the lack of engagement in civic issues for the majority of African Nova Scotians. And so uh, being there and recognizing that the, the role of the Senate, you know, the voice for minorities, sober second thought, um, it, it, it's so important. So I value the work of the Senate. But as Senator Mitchell was saying, this, the relevancy, the credibility, credibility had been really challenged. And so I, I would like to hope, I'd like to think that I helped to bring some of that credibility back to the Senate. One of the things that I do in my work there is that in every, every, every part of the work, I try to bring a social justice lens to the work. I try to bring that lens, that voice of people of African descent to the work. And I try to bring the voice of Nova Scotians to the work. Uh, you know, as a small province, as a, as a province that has many challenges, Nova Scotian senators, we have to bring those voices to that work as well. So I certainly try to do that. I'm excited about Senate reform. I'm excited about the, the modernization, uh, the work that colleagues have done to try to bring about change, and I'm excited to be part of that change process. The, the work that we have to do, I think, is, is we have very important work that we're doing. And so removing the encumbrances of partisanship, of being whipped. And let me tell you, this is the first time I've said this publicly, I hate the term whipped. When I hear the term whipped, 
Now, some of you chuckled over that. Let me tell you what, what, what happens for me. When I hear the term whipped, I think about the way that my ancestors were whipped. And it was not a pleasant experience. So every time I hear that term, I revisit the trauma. And I think sometimes we forget about the multi-generational and historical trauma that comes from practices. I have no idea, I haven't explored this, so I don't know why the term whipped has ever been used. And as I said, this is the first time I've said anything about it publicly, so I'll be inviting my colleagues who know about being whipped or whipping. <laughs> I'll be inviting them to let's talk more about that and how we can change that uh, practice and certainly, at the very least, change the term because the term itself is very offensive. When I first went to the Senate, I did not join the independent senators group. thought, I'm going to be really independent. I'm here, you know. I'm not joining that group. But after about six months, I decided that I would join the group because of a lot of different factors. It's not a caucus. And the, the independent senators group come together as a group to promote a more effective and a more efficient Senate. And we are independent in that group. We act, speak, and vote independently as individual legislatures, legislators. So we're, we're not, um, for want of a better word, we're not whipped in terms of voting, but we, we come together to try to work together in any ways that we can. And under the principles of equality and fairness, respect, transparency, and proportionality. And certainly it is, the, it, is the, it is the plan for the independent senators group that as we go forward, as we're looking at committees, that, um, that, um, that the committee uh, structure will recognize the independent senators can also be chairs and vice chairs of committees and have administrative roles in the Senate. And so we all have a voice. We all have an opportunity to, to use our voices, to exercise our voices in the Senate. And as an independent senator, it, it, it truly is a privilege uh, and an honor uh, to be there. It's also hard work. And I think one of the things we really want the general public to know is that we do work hard. I think there's a perception that it's not uh, hard work. Just like professors, you know, it's profession, there's a perception that it's not hard work, but clearly it is, and it's important for people to know that. And I had set my timer, and that's it. Thank you. That was Senator Wanda Thomas Bernard from Nova Scotia, and the voice before that was Senator Grant Mitchell from Alberta. And that was part of a larger event where there were multiple senators speaking called Independent or Partisan, the Future of the Canadian Senate. You can find a link to the full discussion on YouTube by heading over to the show notes at springtide.ngo SE30 since this is special episode 30. Thank you again to the McEachan Institute for sharing the audio from that event. And you can find out more about other events in their fall speaker series by following the links in the show notes as well. 
Thanks for listening to the Offscript Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do so. You can do so by searching for On the Record Offscript in any podcast catching app, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of them have it. If you like this podcast and what you heard, consider sharing it. Podcasts aren't the easiest content to share, we know, but we've made it as easy as possible for you. So you can go to springtide.ngo slash SE30, share that page if you like this episode. Don't forget to subscribe. Tune in next Wednesday. See you then. Bye.